All right, we are kicking off hour two from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement. You visit dlbasementsystems.com. It is our first Calgary Flames game day of the season. The Prospects edition, but we're kicking things off from the Young Stars Classic tonight in Penticton. Calgary Flames and the Vancouver Canucks at a perfect time to go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar. Guest hotline, checking with the host of Flames Talk and the host of Calgary Flames Hockey here on Sportsnet 960. It's our pal Pat Steinberg live from Penticton. How are you, Patty? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good. How's, uh, how's Penticton treating you? So far, the weather's been good. Um, got to a little morning skate for the Flames today at the South Okanagan Event Center. Now just pounding away on Flames Talk at the top of the hour. But it's been good. It's been good. Pretty low-key. Good drive yesterday. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's just it's a cool event. It's good access. Everybody's here. Um, so, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the weekend. Is it interesting for you to see the progression from, say, development camp that we had post-draft to something like the Young Stars tournament here to see how even some of the young guys have grown that are new to the Flames organization, Pat? Yeah, and I mean, I think the one thing that is very important to to remember, too, is that the, the development camp is just kind of a, it's a skills camp. It's a get-to-know-you camp. It's like what's going on on the ice is important, but not the most important, whereas here, this is a hockey camp. This is, like, this is, the, this is the beginning of training camp, and, and this is these are three games that are going to be played at, at, you know, pretty high competitive levels. Like we're not talking about uh, going through the motions. We're not talking about no hitters. We're not talking about kind of just making sure that you're getting into game shape. Like we're talking about guys who are trying to make hockey teams. We're trying to make, we're talking about guys trying to get contracts and to put themselves on radars. And so, you know, you've got, you've got, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds from four teams that are all trying to do the same thing. And whether you're Matt Coronado trying to use this as a springboard into your first NHL main camp, or you're a tryout player trying to get an AHL deal or an entry level deal or whatever, you know, these, these are, um, these are games that, and these are practices that, are not just mimicking, they are as close to regular season intensity as you're ever going to get in September. So what I think is interesting is some of the, if you can get some of the players that were real standouts in July for the Flames, so that would be Coronado, Hanzek, Moran, those would be three that people were really buzzing about a development camp. Well, now you want to see these guys be kind of the Flames' best players when they play. Like, for instance, tonight, Friday night, in the first game of the Young Stars Classic for Calgary, Hanzek and Coronado are on the same line together. And so you want to see that line go out there and be dominant offensively. When they get number one power play time, be dangerous offensively. And that's what you now want to see is guys who impressed and who you probably should have been impressed by at development camp in July, still be impressed with here at the, at the, the, the three games they play at the Young Stars Classic. So that's, I, I think that's from a straight-up hockey standpoint, the thing that you're looking for most is to see what of the guys that should be impressive actually are impressive when they're, uh, when they're on the ice and playing in these games. Uh, from an individual level, I know Matt Coronado is a guy that you guys have talked about on Flames Talk. He's obviously going to be a big focus for Flames fans heading into this tournament. When it comes to 
to guys like Coronado who were, were naturally sort of looking to use this as a springboard into main training camp. We've seen that from other guys, Pat, other Flames prospects who have used this in a similar way. What do you need to see from Coronado to know he's going in the right direction? Do you need to see him be a step or two ahead of the competition to to feel like he's on a good track towards regular training camp with the Flames? Just be noticeable. Be okay. one of the guys that you come away from. Like, if, if he doesn't score, that's fine. But if you come away and you don't really remember him or notice him much or you, you don't really see him being involved much, well, then, you know, that's, that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for him to, geez, okay, man, he can shoot it. He had a couple, like, goalies had to make a couple of really good stops or uh, he, he clanked a couple off the crossbar or just missed the right post a couple of times. He's dangerous on the power play. Like, be noticeable. Be one of the guys that you're clearly like, oh, yeah, that's one of the best guys on, on the plane. That's, that's really all there is because numbers and how many goals, goals are so random half the time. Like, it is, like the actual numbers or anything that, that to me, that's almost immaterial. It's more just, you know, do you come away from this feeling like Matt Coronado looks like a guy who's played in the NHL before? Because he has. I think he's one of three or four guys of, of the four teams who has at least one NHL game under his belt. The Canucks have a few. The Flames have one. So come away if you're the Flames feeling like, oh, yeah, he looked like a guy who played in the NHL and went to the World Championship. And that's a lot to ask sometimes. I think this will be – I think the practice that Matt Coronado just had is the – first or second second organized practices he's had since the world championships okay but you're still looking for him to look a little bit more advanced than other players because where he is he should be more advanced so i think that's all you're looking for i don't know if there's any like necessarily necessary benchmarks or or boxes that he needs to check statistically or anything like that just be one of the more noticeable players and i think that's the same if uh, your Vancouver with Hiroshi or McDonough, or even when you're talking in the Flames and, and a guy like Sam Hontek, again, you're like, okay, you're a first-round pick. You just want to come away feeling like he looks like a first-round pick. That, that, to me, would be the best way that I would describe what you're looking for is just, you know, come away feeling like, oh, yeah, that, that, those guys look like first-round picks, and they, they played like they're one of our top prospects in the organization. And I think there's a pretty good chance that we'll see that happen. Speaking of Hanzik, I got to imagine the excitement level for you and a lot of the Flames media to see him firsthand is going to be pretty high given that he impressed a development camp. And like you mentioned, that's more of a skills camp. It's not really a scrimmage type thing. And this is our first chance to really see what he's got in a team setting. We haven't had a chance to see him do that since he was selected by the Flames in Nashville. Yeah, and that's 100%. And he'll probably, he'll play two if not three games here. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's, that's really what it is for a lot of people. And so here's your first opportunity of seeing this guy in a flames red or a flames white Jersey and see if he can be as impressive as a lot of people expect him to be and, and see if you can see some moments that are as exciting as we've as, as, as a guy who wins 16th overall in a really, really deep draft should be. So, yeah, I'm excited to see him. I'm exci- I, I won't lie. When I saw him and Coronado on the same line, I was like, yep, that's what you want to see. You got uh, Rory Karens, a pick from a couple of years ago, uh, going down the middle with them. So I'm, I'm really excited to see that. They were both getting reps on that number one power play at morning skate. You're like, okay, like this is, they're putting them in an opportunity for them to jump off the page. And so if, if you're, if, for me personally, 
I'm now looking to see if Hans Zek jumps off the page. Does he look more than pedestrian? Does he look like he should be a first-line player in an event like this and, and going against competition like this? So, yeah, that, I'm, I'm really excited to see it, Logo. I, uh, I, I, keep, I keep saying to myself, you know, what if he makes it interesting? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we should expect it. I'm not saying that it will be a failure if um, – we start at uh, if, if he starts the season with the Vancouver Giants, but why? Why? Like it wouldn't be a bad thing if we're talking at the end of training camp and Hanzek's still there, and you're like, geez, does he get does he get some NHL games or yeah. does he not get some NHL games? So I think that's uh, that's really going to be uh, that, that's the most exciting thing for me is getting it off. And no knock on Coronado. But the most exciting thing for me here is uh, getting an opportunity to see him for the first time and, and in competitive action, you know. Uh, quickly on Hanzik, I know that you guys have talked to the, his new head coach in Vancouver, and he's mentioned it uh, as well since chatting with the media. Do you think we get a chance to see Hanzik play any center ice at this tournament, just given the fact that we know if he does go back to Vancouver, that's where he's going to see a lot of time this year? Maybe, although he's starting on the left wing. The Flames drafted him as a winger, um, and so maybe. But I, I think that, like, I think we're going to see him play the wing for a good chunk of this. Uh, that's how he's going to start in this one tonight. Um, the the Giants are thinking about using him down the middle, and and we heard from Manny Viveros, their head coach, on Flames Talk earlier this week. He's really excited to see how that plays out, but. You know, I, I do know that the Flames are looking at him as a winger. They drafted him as a winger. So, I, I, I mean, it would be neat to see. I don't know if I'm necessarily expecting to see a lot of him down the middle. Okay. But, uh, I, 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 but, again, like, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't talked to anybody about that. So, that's just a guess on my part, Logo. But he, he, he's starting tonight as a winger. And I know that they drafted him as such. But um, there's never anything wrong with uh, – getting a guy it's uh, like it's, it's never bad if you can play down the middle especially if you can make that jump from wing to center as we all know it's a little bit easier going the other way around so i don't know if i'm necessarily anticipating it but it would definitely be cool to see uh pat steinberg's along with us live from penticton host of flames talk here on sportsnet 960 the fan uh new wrinkle to this for the calgary flames this year in the sense that trent call is running this group for the first time. Obviously, Mitch Love, now an assistant with the Washington Capitals. What have you heard from Trent the first couple of days with the group, and what's he sort of looking from uh, for his players out of this tournament? Well, I think that if you're him, uh, and one of the things that we have heard, is that you're looking for your guys with AHL experience or who are expected to be in the AHL this year to be some of the leaders and to help drive the bus. So whether that, whether we're talking about Karens, whether we're talking about Kuznetsov, whether we're talking about, you know, guys who have played at the American league before American league level before you're wanting those guys to kind of be the, the ones Klapka. There's another example, like go out there and, and, show that you've played a season of pro hockey. And so I think that's really important. And I think that that's one of the things that we've heard from him. But I also think he's still getting the lay of the land with a lot of these players. He saw them in, uh, he saw them in July at development camp. I guess he would have. No, I guess he wouldn't have. He wasn't even no, wasn't hired by then. No. So, so yeah. So no, he's still, 
So you can tell that he's still very much getting to know these guys, getting to know the coaching staff a little bit with uh, the uh, with Mac Bauer and Sorella coming back and and definitely getting a lay of the land on some of the prospects. And some of these tryout players are looking for AHL deals, so evaluating in that respect. So, yeah, I, uh, that, that's, that's the biggest thing that I've picked up on is just a guy who is trying to familiarize himself with a new organization, a bunch of new players that he's not super familiar with. Um, but he, uh, he's, he's an engaging guy to talk to. And, uh, you know, the, the Flames have had a lot of success with their AHL coaches over the last number of years, whether it's most recently with Mitch Love, but in Ryan Huska and Kale McLean are both on NHL benches, the same NHL bench. Like they've, and, and they've all had pretty solid success developing players and when it comes to AHL records. So, you know, Brad Pascal running this AHL team, we're going to hear from Brad on our pregame show tonight. He's going to stop by live at 8 o'clock Calgary time. Brad Pascal's done a really good job in, in building up his his uh, AHL team with good head coaching hires. So I, I, uh, I don't know a ton about Trent. Um, I know that he has had some decent success in the American League uh, and last year was on a Canucks bench, but just based on Calgary's track record, I think you have to be at the very least um, optimistic about what he can bring to it. But he's definitely, he's definitely still in a kind of learning the group phase right now. And this is going to be a, a big opportunity for him because a lot of these guys, good chunk of them anyway, will also be with him for the, uh, for the Wranglers camp in a few weeks. Uh, and last one, before we let you go, anybody further down the list, obviously, the, those first round picks that we talked about, those guys are going to come with a, a fair amount of hype, but there are some guys like you mentioned that have had some pro hockey experience after last year with the Calgary Wranglers. Anybody else a little bit, maybe down the spotlight list that you're excited to see in this tournament? Klapka, he was their best player. If you talk to a lot of people at last year's event and uh, watching from afar, he definitely stood out. So Klapka, is one I'm really interested in and had himself a pretty uh, pretty solid, especially knowing all of the adjustments that he was making to North America, had himself a pretty solid first season playing pro hockey in the American League. So ex- excited to see him. Uh, I know the Flames remain really high on Yan Kuznetsov. So excited to see what he's all about. Another opportunity here. Moran is a player that uh, a lot of Flames fans are excited about. So I'm excited to see him and kind of, high-intensity games for the first time. And William Stromgren's really interesting to me. Former second-round pick and a guy who's now over in North America. And he came over late last year, so there's still probably a transition going on and an opportunity to see him for the first time. I'm Actually, of all the guys, I would say Stromgren would be the guy that's most interesting to me because of the transition he's making. And the, uh, the look, they, they've got, a, they really like his all round game. They really think there's a good all round talent there. Um, and so what, what does he look like in a North, like North American ice with there's no punches pulled in these games. Uh, what does he look like with this opportunity? And as he comes to training camp in the NHL for the first time and is expected to play American league games all year, what, uh, how does this set him up? for his first full season in North America. So of all those guys I mentioned, I would say Stromgren would be right at the top of the list for me. I appreciate you, pal. Have a great uh, edition of Flames Talk this afternoon. Looking forward to that. And uh, it'll be great to hear you on the radio with the pregame show at 8 o'clock tonight. Thanks again, Patty. Thanks, Logo. See you, pal. Pat Steinberg, host of Flames Talk here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, And again, a Flames uh, hockey host right here on Sportsnet 960. You'll hear him for the Flames pregame show right around 8 o'clock 
uh, tonight, barring anything from the Jays and the Red Sox going a little bit long. Uh, you'll hear Pat with Brad Pascal, assistant GM of the Calgary Flames, getting you set for tonight's game. It's an 8.30 puck drop live here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, or you can watch the stream at calgaryflames.com. And again, Flames Talk live from Penticton coming up later this afternoon with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. Don't want to miss that. Let's head to Penticton again. Hear from a couple of key members of the Calgary Flames heading into tonight's matchup, including Sam Honzik, his first chance to put on a Flames sweater in a competitive environment tonight. He uh, is excited. He's going to be on a line with Rory Karens and Matt Coronado. Let's hear from 2023 16th overall pick Sam Honzik, who spoke to the media after morning skate today in Penticton. Well, Sam, let's just start talking about, I mean, you're off ice and on ice training. Has, how is it different from maybe last season to this season as you're taking part in these camps and tournaments? I think the work is more specific. Also on the ice stuff we're doing, it's more, uh, it should help us to prepare for NHL and, you know, for these camps. So I think uh, I did a really good job during the summer and, you know, skated with pros and lots of def cam and also spent summer, a little bit summer in the Calgary working out with, like, uh, Flames NHLers. So it was really good. I've been a bit busy, but, uh, you know, it's the part and uh, I have to go through it. I heard a little bit of talk, maybe potentially of you taking on a center role at some point. Is that something you'd feel comfortable doing? Oh uh, yeah, uh, I play center like when I was younger, so I'm comfortable with that. But it took it will take me a little bit longer because I haven't played like maybe three years. So, but I think uh, either if I'm here or in the NHL or WHL, I think it doesn't matter for me. It will help me in both ways, and you know I just. It's really helpful for myself. And then just coming into this tournament, I mean, maybe the feelings that you're feeling coming into this. Are you excited? What's going through your head? I think I'm really excited. I haven't played a game in a, long, in a while, so I think it's really exciting. Maybe when the game gets closer, it's going to be a little bit nervous for me, you know, like in our first preseason NHL game, but against young guys. But still, it's kind of like, you know, wearing Flames jersey, so it's going to be something. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm ready, and I think there's nothing to scare, be scared of, but it's just me, myself, and other guys. So I want to help the team win as the uh, have you guys heard the message from management that there are spots open for youngsters if you have a good camp it's a real achievable goal here because in the past that wasn't the case here what does that mean to you when you hear those things yeah i think it's it's a big deal for me you know and especially when uh they told us there's like lots of players from uh developing camp and rookie camp and then played whole season in nhl that's and then basically they told us it's possible and you know we can see it so i think it's for me uh it's a big thing but still uh, i'm trying to don't think about it i'm trying to be focused on this tournament and you know and play it best and eventually get there but uh man first first thing when i'm thinking now it's just tournament and play good and help to win the team do you, do you have the confidence? Do you think you could be in the NHL this year, or is that something you have to wait and see, see how camp goes? And I think uh, I don't want to like go ahead, but uh, I think we'll have to see how this goes. But uh, I think I can say more after this tournament. What's your impression of Matt Coronado? You're going to be playing on the line. I think it's good. He played uh, NCAA, so which is a good league, and I think he's really skilled. And you know, he had one game in the NHL, so it's really. Really big opportunity to me to play with him and, uh, you know, kind of get along with him. And hopefully we're going to be the best line out there because we're first line. So I think we're going to do best. What do you see in his game and his skill set that makes him such a highly coveted prospect? So I think he's really, really hardworking guy. You know, probably the most hardworking guy on the ice. You know, really, really strong and fast. So explosive also. So I think uh, I can build on that. You know, I can skate fast. So also him. So... It's going to be really fun, and I can't wait to start. Sam, what does it mean to you to have your Giants teammate, Jaden Lipinski, here with you this week? 
Uh, it's really good. Uh, you know, uh, we've been drafted both to Calgary, so that's that's really awesome. Uh, and it's good to have someone who you know and you know stick still around. So that's really fun for me and really good. And what should people be looking for out of Lipinski? I think you know his size and his IQ is really and his skills are really really good and high level. So I think he's going to improve and also like he's one of the hard working hard working guys. So I think he has a he has a long journey, but I think he's, he can be really successful and you know and hopefully I can help him and also he can help me. Um, it's hard to believe it's only been a year since you got to North America and we're getting ready to play in the WHL. It seems like you've come so far in such a short period of time. Have you kind of wrapped your head around? Oh uh, yeah, like uh, obviously I enjoying the life more probably I would say maybe more than in Slovakia, but uh, it, it's been fun and I like it here, so uh, I'm really excited to another year. Flames first round selection, Sam Honzik. First chance to see him in a Flames jersey tonight. He'll be on a line with Rory Karens and Matt Coronado. This will be Matt Coronado's uh, first game of the tournament. Big year for Matt Coronado, potentially, if he can use this prospects camp and the Young Stars Classic to help him during a Flames training camp. Perhaps there is a spot on the Flames roster for the right-shotted uh, winger who played in one game last year to end the season. How's Matt Coronado feeling ahead of tonight's matchup against the Canucks? Let's hear from him after morning skate earlier today. All right, well, coming into this camp, I mean, you got an NHL game under your belt. Is that giving you a little confidence coming into this week? Yeah, I think it's definitely... Um... A really good thing that I got that experience in the spring. Um, I learned a lot. I think I'm able to kind of take that with me um, starting this year. So it's definitely a great thing. And then heading into this week, do you have things that you're kind of working on and even maybe looking further ahead to the season? Um, I think right now it's just about going out and, and working hard. Um, I think the focus is just doing whatever you can to make sure your, your body feels good and uh, make sure you can be at your best. I think that's what every guy's trying to do. So that's the focus right now. You've been training a lot with Danielle for your skating. Is that an area you feel pretty confident in coming into this? Yeah, I definitely feel like I improved in that area a little bit. Um, like I said, Danielle was a, a huge help to me this summer and she has been um, for a while now. So uh, looking forward to skating with her more, but definitely happy with the work we did. Matt, do you feel like there's an opportunity here, um, you know, just the fact that you can get a few games in, kind of maybe get a head start, and, and as you said, kind of feel good going into main camp? Definitely. Uh, I think it's it's always great to play a, a few extra games, get in game shape. Um, I'm excited for tonight. It's going to be um, awesome, and I, I think the rest of the group feels the same way, so we're just really looking forward to it. You must hear the comments from Conroy and these guys talking about, we're leaving spots open for youngsters. What does that mean for a youngster who's hoping to have those spots? I think for me, it just all comes back to the same thing. Like, just I got to go out and, and prove it and, and be at my best. And um, I think it, it definitely maybe helps motivate a little to, to do that when, when you hear things like that. What has to happen between now and October 11th to put yourself into a spot where you're on the opening day lineup? For, for me, like, I don't know exactly. I, all I can do is, is go out and, and try to be at my best and, and work hard, and that's really all I can do. Is that sort of the message from management or Craig Conroy? I don't know if you've had direct conversations coming into the rookie camp portion, but what's the message from Flames management team? I think that. Like, I think that's what it's about, right? Like, I got to be at my best, but I got to show that I'm, I'm always giving 110%. And um, I think for me, my game, when I'm playing my best, I'm doing that anyway, so... Um, that's going to be the biggest thing I'm looking to do. 
with that NHL game of experience, with the World Championship experience, do you feel you're close or knocking on the door or ready for an NHL game? It's tough to say after one game. Um, I want to be ready. I'm going to do everything I can be to be ready because um, that's my goal. You've had an opportunity to skate with Sam Hanzek in, in the summer and now even this morning. Just what are your impressions on him? He's a really good player, um, really good skater, big, good size. Um, he can shoot it. it. It seems like he really does everything well, so uh, really excited to play with him tonight. Matt Coronado, he'll be on that line with Rory Karens and Sam Hanzik. 8.30 puck drop right here on Sportsnet 960 and on calgaryflames.com. Last but not least, let's quickly hear from the head coach of your Flames tonight. It is Trent Call, Wranglers head coach this season, his first chance to get a look at some of these young players uh, ahead of tonight's game in Penticton. Exciting week ahead of us. I mean, just talk about what you're looking for from these guys. I mean, how do they stand out? Uh, I mean, I think it's just going to be, there's a lot of nerves. You can even see it again today. Uh, so I think it's just going to be trying to get these guys relaxed so they can put their best foot forwards as individuals and then and hopefully potentially then as our team too. And are you looking forward to this week? Absolutely. No, I'm excited. It was good to get on the ice yesterday, like practice today, a pregame skate, get a game. And, and, you know, we're just, for me, just getting to know everybody from top to bottom. And so kind of excited to see them actually go play so that you can start kind of building a, like a profile of each player. Do you, uh, do you evaluate on a sliding scale, knowing different experience levels and, and players who have been here before, players who haven't? How do you How do you factor that into your evaluation? I think, I don't think it's going to be... A shift by shift or a night by night. I think we're going to watch these games as we move along this weekend and kind of see where we're at, reevaluate on Monday, kind of Tuesday. And I don't think we want to be too hasty with anything, or that's what I've learned in the past. Trent Cole, coach of the Flames at the Young Stars Classic and your Calgary Wranglers head coach heading into this season. Excited to have Flames hockey back on your radios tonight. Again, Pat Steinberg with your Flames pregame show around 8 o'clock. He'll be joined by Flames assistant GM Brad Pascal, and then puck drop at 8.30 right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Thursday night football kicked off week two of the NFL season. Let's look ahead to Sunday with our pal Matt Marchese from The Fan. Check down that as Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Week two of the NFL season kicked off last night with Thursday night football. Philadelphia Eagles moved to 2-0. and Vikings 0-2 to start the season. Now we get set for another Sunday slate of games and a doubleheader on Monday. Very happy to save and chat some NFL with our pal Matt Marchese, host of the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You hear him every weekday here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan, Matty, how are you, pal? I'm good, Logo. How are you, pal? I'm good. First time we've chatted since you started the new gig. Congratulations, man. Love what you and Donovan are doing. I appreciate it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, uh, beats working for a living, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it could be worse. We could be we could be stuck in a real office job and having to do important things, but we get to do this instead. Yeah, exactly. I, I like how you said we could be doing important things. Come on, Logo. <laughs> Uh, look, uh, Thursday night or last night, kicking things off from Philly, uh, got interesting late, I guess, if you're the Vikings, but I don't know that anyone was stunned to see the Eagles come out with a win on Thursday night football against the Vikings. No, it was a weird game because 
I mean, I did feel the same way about the Bills on Monday night. I didn't think they were going to lose that game, but I'm watching that game last night, and the way that the Vikings' defense just could not stop the run. Like, they looked great in the first quarter. I don't know what happened. I mean, I know what happened. You know, they started saying, well, if you're going to blitz us, we're just going to run the football, and that's how we're going to beat you. And that's what they did. But I didn't feel at any point like the Vikings were going to win that game. It was a really strange game because – it's not like the Eagles instilled a ton of confidence in me just by watching their passing game specifically. Um, you know, when you play the Vikings, you should be able to pass the ball on them, and that really didn't happen outside of, you know, a couple of big Devontae Smith catches. It really wasn't an offense that moved the ball well through the air, but they did it on the ground, which was, I think, the biggest surprise of last night. But um, to, see, to see the Eagles at 2-0 and and the Vikings at 0-2, uh, especially after what we saw in week one, I don't think there were any surprises last night other than DeAndre Swift getting 28 carries. Yeah, that's where I was going to go next. Uh, Kenny Gainwell was out last night. Rashad Penny hasn't really made much of a difference, and DeAndre Swift sure looked good in that Eagles green getting the opportunity to run the ball. You see this as a job that he's going to be able to maintain for the whole season, Maddie, or are there just too many different guys to feed in Philadelphia right now? So it's an interesting one because talent-wise, for me, he's the most talented back on that team by a large margin. My only concern is, I mean, there's health concerns always with DeAndre Swift. That goes back to his days at Georgia. And it's the other thing, too, is I'm not convinced that NFL coaches and coordinators see the same things as we see sometimes. Like, DeAndre Swift should get a long run here. Should they work in Kenny Gainwell? Should they work in Boston Scott? Sure, but DeAndre Swift should be getting at least 18 touches a week based on his skill set and with that offensive line. Do I trust the Eagles to follow through with that? No, because Kenny Gainwell looked decent in week one, certainly not as good as DeAndre Swift, but they clearly have a role for him. Let's also not forget that Kenny Gainwell was drafted by this regime DeAndre Swift was not. He was traded for, and they didn't trade significant draft capital to bring him in. So with that being said, always follow the draft capital, always follow the money, and that's kind of where I'm looking at it. Do I think that DeAndre Swift, if Kenny Gainwell plays next week, is getting 28 carries? No, he's probably closer to 15. But I think even 15 for DeAndre Swift, like if we're talking about it from a fantasy perspective, I think you're kind of laughing, especially where you drafted him, that – that that's the type of workload that he's going to get. So he should be the guy um, with the other guys mixing in, but I never trust coaching staff to see real talent when it's right in front of them. 2-0 to start the year for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts says they still got some more work to do, but they feel okay about their game. Uh, they were the presumptive NFC favorites. Any reason to think otherwise in the two games that we've seen from Philly so far, Matt? Actually, yeah. I think that they're – well, when we look – their defense has allowed seven passing touchdowns in the first two games, three to Mac Jones in week one, four to Kirk Cousins last night. It's a defense that has seven new starters. Um, their, their front four is really good. Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, like really solid. Mm. They're linebackers. N'Kobe Dean's out for a month. He'll miss an, at least another three games after last night. Um, their linebacking core is not very good, and it wasn't good before he got hurt. And then the secondary, Darius Slay is really good, but no C.J. Gardner-Johnson. There's no um, uh, Avante Maddox got hurt last night. It's a team that is a little bit banged up, 
And I'm not so certain that their defense is as good as last year. So that would be the one thing that I would take a step back and go, okay, hold on a second. Is the defense as good? No. Was their passing offense good in the first two games? No. Like, yes, there are things to work on, but to me, I now look at the Niners, and we'll see what they do this week against the Rams, but I look at the Niners and I say, the way that they went into to Pittsburgh and just lambasted the Steelers, to me, early on, that looks like the team to be. I had the Steelers and Bills in the Super Bowl. One of them looks good, one of them doesn't. But I think the Steelers, uh, the, the Niners, sorry, uh, did I say Steelers and Bills in the Super Bowl? No, Niners mm-hmm. and, and Bills in the Super Bowl. Um, so the, the Niners, to me, look like the, the real team to beat right now. Uh, heading into the Sunday slate of games, I guess based on how the week ended, the easy storyline to walk into on Sunday has to be one of the afternoon games, Jets and Cowboys. Cowboys walk into MetLife Stadium and embarrass the Giants on Sunday night football. And then we have the drama of Aaron Rodgers rupturing his Achilles on Monday night for the Jets. How intrigued are you by this matchup, Matty? Because I think this is actually a pretty interesting game. I want to see... If that Dallas defense is is for real, uh, I'm curious how they bounce back after that game. What Zach Wilson looked like, and hey, for you know the Dallas Cowboys, I think there's still a lot of intrigue as to what this team is in the NFC. Yeah, we didn't. We learned. That, I mean, we didn't even learn. We know that the Dallas defense is is very good when they're healthy. Staying healthy has been a little bit of an issue. Um, we didn't learn a lot about the Dallas offense in week one because they really didn't have to be very good. The weather was horrible. It poured rain. They had the, the, the field goal block uh, and return for a touchdown. They had uh, a lot of turnovers. Like They put the, the offense in really good positions. And the offense, you know, the team put up 40 points, but I can't say I looked at it and said they had to be so great. Dak Prescott didn't have to be great. Um, the run game didn't really have to be great. The defense did everything for them in that game. So I think we're going to learn a lot about the Dallas offense going up against a really good Jets defense. I don't know how much more we're going to learn about the Dallas defense only because as we saw in week one, the Bills front seven really got after Zach Wilson and before him for four plays, Aaron Rodgers. So I feel like Dallas's defense is going to have a field day, but I think the spread is like nine and a half. And that to me seems like a lot of points considering how good the Jets defense is. Uh, I think it's a lot closer than people will give credit for. And we're going to see how the game plan changes now with Zach Wilson as the quarterback. I, I look back at the time that Nathaniel Hackett spent in green Bay, where he had, you know, AJ, um, uh, he had Aaron Jones and he had AJ Dillon and using those guys in tandem, I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw in Green Bay with the Jets, with Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. So I think they're going to be running the ball a lot. I think they're going to be using a lot of screens, a lot of short passing to kind of hopefully avoid the issues that they have on the offensive line. But I think that game is a lot closer than the spread would indicate. Early on Sunday morning, we'll get a chance to see what uh, these two franchises are hoping is their uh, quarterback duel of the future going forward. We'll have Anthony Richardson of the Colts, C.J. Stroud of the Texans going head-to-head from Houston Sunday morning. Maddie, if you were a betting man, and I maybe know you've dabbled a little bit there past uh, in the past, um, if you had to pick one of those two quarterbacks to lead your franchise going forward, would it be Anthony Richardson or would it be C.J. Stroud? Whew, that's a really good one because 
I think that um, I think Anthony Richardson has the higher ceiling because of how dynamic he is. The thing is, is Anthony Richardson was not an accurate passer in college, and generally speaking, outside of really Josh Allen, it hasn't been something that you know that track record does not lead to success in the NFL. Anthony Richardson may be different. He looked pretty good in his first game against Jacksonville. Um, and C.J. Stroud, I mean, didn't look great. He was fine. Um, he didn't, you know, going up against Baltimore, like uh, John Harbaugh does not lose to rookie quarterbacks, generally speaking. So I really thought that both of them had decent first weeks in the NFL. Longevity, I think the guy that stays in the pocket, has a little bit of athletic ability, is the one that has the longer lifespan in the NFL, like a C.J. Stroud. But in terms of, you know, in the next three or four years, the answer might be Anthony Richardson because he's got better weapons. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens with Jonathan Taylor. But when you compare even just the wide receivers to each other, I mean, in these wide receivers with Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce and Josh Downs, is better than Robert Woods, Nico Collins, and John Mechie, Tank Dell, whoever you want to put in that conversation. So I think, I think long-term, it's probably C.J. Stroud, but in the next three years, it might be Anthony Richardson. Interesting matchup in the AFC uh, Sunday morning as well. Chiefs and Jaguars from Jacksonville. KC getting a big boost with uh, Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey back in the lineup. And I mean, look, I, I would say that even – given the odds of Kadarius Tony dropping four passes like he did in week one, probably down to the average of drop passes again. You expect the Chiefs to look a lot more like themselves in this game against Jacksonville? If Travis Kelsey's back, then yes. Yeah. Um, if he's not, then no, I don't. Only because, let's face it, the pass catchers that Patrick Mahomes has outside of Travis Kelsey and are very unproven, although he looked good in week one, rookie Rasheed Rice, I don't see how they got better. Like people, people give Andy Reid the benefit of the doubt and Patrick Mahomes the benefit of the doubt, hundred percent as they should, because let's face it, all they've done is win. But I thought that was in one of Andy Reid's worst called games that he's had. Some of the decisions you look at and go, you don't have the guys to make those plays. Like, you don't have Tyreek Hill on your team. You don't have Travis Kelsey in the lineup tonight. And you're making decisions as if you did. You have a quarterback that's good enough, sure. But if those guys, the players that he's throwing aren't good enough, like, Kadarius Toney is not Tyreek Hill. Neither is Rasheed Rice. And Noah Gray is not Travis Kelsey. But they were the guys that they went to in critical moments, and they could not follow through. So I think Travis Kelsey being on the field makes everybody else around him a lot better because you really have to focus on, on drawing coverage to him. And I totally get that. So if he's in the lineup, I think that they do bounce back, but it's not an easy week to match up. Like you go against the Jags who they won by 10 points against Indy. Sure. And it was on the road. It wasn't really a 10 point game. I think we can all agree on that, but the Jags are up and coming. The Jags are still a very good team. The one saving grace for Kansas City was against a good Lions offensive team in week one, I thought without Chris Jones that it was going to be a, a, a lot of points scored, and there wasn't. I thought their defense did a good job. Part of it was I thought the Detroit 
scheming was a little bit vanilla for a game against the defending champs, but that's an entirely different conversation. The defense held up. They didn't get torched on the ground. The, the run defense was actually pretty good, especially with Chris Jones not being there. So do I see a bounce back? Yes. But I also can see the Chiefs at 0-2, the way that the Jags have been playing. Let's not forget, they played in the, in the uh, playoffs last year. Mahomes ended up leaving the game, but that was a tight game even when Mahomes was in the game. Jacksonville played them tough. I anticipate that they play them tough again, and that's probably a game that ends on, on a last-second field goal. Matt Marchese along with us, host of the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network, diving around the Sunday slate of games coming up on week two of this NFL season. Uh, very possible, Matt, that we're talking about uh, on Monday, perhaps the Cincinnati Bengals team at 0-2, tough start to their season. They had a, a weather-drenched, a rain-drenched game against the Browns in week one. They couldn't score many points, and now they've got the Ravens coming in. These divisional games are never easy and that AFC North looks like there's no gimmies this season. No, there's not. And I talked about it before the season started. That, for me, was the best division in the NFL. I know people wanted to talk about the, the AFC East, and obviously that's changed now. But I always thought the AFC North was the best division. The Browns' defense is very good. And Joe Burrow's coming off of that calf injury, which it really didn't look like he was 100%. But they come home. He's, you know, all the weight is off now because he's played the one game after the big contract. And, yes, he's got a lot to live up to, but this is going to come down to health for Joe Burrow. And if he's healthy, which I think he is, I think the Bengals actually pull this one out. The Ravens had a, a good week one win over Houston, but nobody really thought that Houston was going to go out and beat Baltimore in Baltimore. I don't think that was a thought in anybody's mind. Here's, here's something that I'll give you. The Bengals have won four of the last five matchups between these two teams. They've won the last uh, three, I think, at home. And then of the four wins in the last five, the Bengals have won by 7, 11, 20, and 22. So wow. three of the wins have been by double digits. And, I, you know, these games should be closer, but for whatever reason, Joe Burrow and the Bengals have the Ravens number in the last five matchups the Ravens have won one and that game was in Baltimore of the last five that they've won so I think that the Bengals pull this one out Joe Burrow can't be as bad as he was last week right like even mm -hmm. that whole offense the weather I mean weather can change and we've seen it especially here on the east coast it can get kind of messy around this time of year very unpredictable but I can't see the Bengals offense putting up another dud um, and, and the Ravens are super banged up. They have no J.K. Dobbins. They have no Marcus Williams. They have no Marlon Humphrey. So two guys in the secondary there. And they're missing Tyler Linderbaum, their center, and Ronnie Stanley, the left tackle, which, as we know in football, uh, the left tackle, especially, well, I mean, for all quarterbacks except Tua, is super important, <laughs> and they paid Ronnie Stanley like that. So with him not being there, with those, both of those guys, and, and no Dobbins, be interested to see what this Ravens offense looks like. Like, are they going to use the passing game as an extension of the run game, like bubble screens and, and short out routes, like all of that. I wonder if that's part of the conversation here. So I think that the Bengals do pull this one out. I, I'm, I actually had them as one of my uh, weekend bets, and I, I would be taking the Bengals and the points. Uh, Matt, if we didn't have the NFL red zone, we didn't have the ability to have multiple screens, if I was to limit you to only one game on Sunday, you can only watch one game in its entirety on the Sunday slate, which one do you think you'd choose? 
I'm going to take the Bills out of this equation because that's my team. Fair. Because that would be the obvious answer. Yeah, no, that's fair. They are, they are a story anyway. But I'm going to do something that I never thought that I would do, especially before the season started. If I could choose one game, it would be the Sunday nighter between the Patriots and the Dolphins. Okay. I think that this game is a lot more interesting than I would have thought maybe three, four weeks ago. I was very low on the Patriots. I wasn't sure what the offense was going to look like with Bill O'Brien at the helm. I, I mean, it couldn't have been any worse than last year. But Mac Jones was very good last week. And as we know, the Dolphins gave up a ton of points in Vic Fangio's debut as the defensive coordinator. The Dolphins' defense has some talent, but for whatever reason, they give up a lot of points. And I'm curious to see how the secondary for the Patriots deals with Tyreek Hill. We know Bill Belichick, what does he do? He takes away your best weapon. So he's going to try and take away Tyreek Hill. It opens up things for Jalen Waddell, sure. But Tyreek Hill has been talking a lot of smack about getting to 2,000 yards, and he believes that he can do it. And some people believe that he can do it. Now, you don't think that other corners around the league are looking at it in safeties and saying, well, hold on a second. You're not going to torch me. I'm not going to be that guy. And I can almost guarantee you that Bill Belichick is not going to be a guy that's going to have one receiver beat him for over 200 yards. So I'm really curious to see the chess match between Bill Belichick's defense and Mike McDaniel's offense. I think that's going to be super, super interesting. Um, and I think it's going to be a much better game than I would have, uh, uh, you know, three, four weeks ago where I didn't know what the Patriots were going to be. knew the defense was going to be good, but I didn't think the offense was going to be able to hang. And Mac Jones really proved me wrong in that one. Uh, Matty, great stuff as always, man. Uh, again, I've really enjoyed what you and Donovan are doing on the fan check down. Uh, can't wait to keep listening to you guys throughout the season. Enjoy week two, pal. I uh, hope we can do this again sometime soon, man. Anytime. You know it, buddy. Enjoy the weekend. Appreciate it. Matt Marchese joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, helping us tee up week two in the NFL season. He is, of course, the host of the fan check down with Donovan Bennett across the Sportsnet radio network. You hear him every single day here on Sportsnet 960, Monday to Friday with the latest in the NFL world. We got to get out of here. We got to make way for Pat Steinberg live from Penticton with Flames Talk. Pat and Aaron Vickers on a Flames game day coming your way in just a few moments' time. Quick reminder, busy Sportsnet 960 schedule for you tonight. We'll have Blue Jays baseball following Flames Talk. That'll take you into Flames warm-up at 8 o'clock with Steinberg. Getting you set for an 8.30 puck drop. Flames prospects v. Canucks prospects in the Young Stars Classic. You can hear it right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan or watch the stream at calgaryflames.com. As far as our show, quick thank you to Matt Marchese for joining us. Thank you to Pat Steinberg for joining us live from Penticton to help set up the Young Stars Classic from a Flames perspective. Appreciate both of them joining us. Thank you uh, once again to Outstanding Producers Cam and Taylor on their one-year anniversary here at Sportsnet 960. Thank you guys for all that you do, and thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast. Appreciate it. As always, have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy some Flames hockey. This will be two games in the books for the Flames this weekend of the Young Stars Classic, so check in on that. It will definitely be a big topic for us on Monday. NFL football, CFL football, and a Jays series against the Boston Red Sox, a very key one that starts tonight with Jose Barrios on the mound. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you on a Monday. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.